Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be across the nation or around the world. Once again, you are listening to the VMware Communities Roundtable Podcast. This is podcast number 464. My name is Eric Nielsen, and today is Wednesday, January 30th, 2019. How are you doing, Mr. White? Doing really well. Thanks a lot for uh, ringing us in, Eric. Uh, today's uh, Color of the Bay report it is a it is mirror finish on the bay today. It, you literally see the reflection off of whatever's on the other side. And spookily enough, there's like a low cloud ceiling. So as I was driving across the uh, San Mateo Hayward Bridge, I saw uh, jumbo jets just descending out of the fog, kind of like a scene out of... Um, uh, Independence Day, you know, yeah. remember the one where the, the yeah, spaceship yeah. just kind of breaks out over the fog and right. over right. the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah. It was exactly like that without the Golden Gate Bridge and the um, and the flying saucers, just jumbo jets. It is supposed to rain all week, but then it hasn't been. It's been sunny, rainy, cloudy, like you say, like a very strange yeah. uh, environment right now. But we have been getting lots of water, so that's good for California. On the show today, uh, we are going to cover the the v realize automation lab uh, so v realize automation 7 lab uh, they have a, an update on that one, getting started, and thought we would just have some lab folks in and talk about uh, the Revealize Automation Lab, and then also talk a little bit about what the process is for uh, creating labs. Um, so on the show, we have Kim Delgado. She's the customer success, success architect. Uh, Sandy Vissosa. Vissoso, content architect for HOL. Uh, she's here. And we have on the phone, reoccurring as always, Doug Beer. Doug is the chief lab architect for, for HOL, the HOL environment. And Doug's been on our podcast a lot of times. So uh, we'll, get, we'll get to uh, the, the show content and talk all about HOL and uh, V Realize Automation New Lab in a minute. But before we do that, we should just hit the news. I know John has some, but I have some as well. Um, so let's hit mine first, and John will pass it over to you. So uh, New Year starting February 4th for VMware. So a lot of stuff going on at corporate to kind of make that happen. We have had done some reorganization at corporate that I think has been in social news a little bit. So uh, we're aware of that. We know that we're launching new programs and we're getting things ready to go for the whole new year. So it is the kickoff. We have all new budgets. Uh, so we're going to be sponsoring some hackathons around. We're going to uh, developer week up in San Francisco. We got to have budget approval for that. So a lot of things are happening with new program kickoffs. And one of the things that did happen is that uh, we did announce some uh, reorgs, and so we lost a couple people oh, uh, really? on the team. Not on my team, but uh, the, the company in the general. Pat sent out an announcement going, hey, you know, we've reorganized. Some people are here, but most of the people are still going to be, that were impacted, are going to be uh, with the company until April, and they're going to have some chances to look for other things as well. And I know some of the people have already picked up some stuff. So Yeah, I mean, we have... 1,700 open requisitions out yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. Right. So a little bit of shift there, but uh, it's kind of fun because we're kicking off the new year. Uh, a lot of all hands happening. Uh, the VE Expert program uh, re has reset. So um, all the V Expert uh, directory has been taken down as we go into 20 uh, F FY fiscal year 2020, calendar year 2019. We've uh, taken down the V Expert directory. So that's all gone. We're also cleaning up for next year. And one of the things that we did implement is the new competitor policy. Uh, that's up on the main site. And we have... Uh, removed some competitors from the program Slack channels. Hmm. So that has been talking around in social. We've talked about it uh, at the, on the podcast sure. already a couple times. We've had Corey in talking about the fact that we're get, for the next year we're going to be uh, implementing the competitor policy, and uh, we have competitors based on individual competitors based on uh, business divisions. So if IBM has a big division and they're competing with us, uh, we won't have those people in the program, right? You're, Got it. you're working for a competitor division or you're an individual that's competing with us for whatever reason or you're just sending out a bunch of tweets or doing a lot of competitive work as an individual, uh, you might be excluded from the program as a division. And then some companies uh, just have full stacks, like I look at Red Hat, right, where they basically have all the open source stuff. They're competing up and down the stack. And uh, we're just like, hey, Red Hat people, go work in your advocacy program. Right. We're not going to have you in the VExpert advocacy program. So, so we launched that. All of this is kicking off because of the new year. 
Um, and a lot of this is has been out on social, so, so that I would I would just mention it, address it. We're aware of it. We're watching social, and uh, stay tuned because there's a lot of stuff that we're kicking off in January. And uh, if you're in San Francisco Bay Area, come up to the Developer Week and check us out. Me and Chris are going to have a booth there, and it's going to be kind of fun. So, John, what do you got? Yeah, uh, just to chime in on some of the things that you said, uh, I think Crippa uh, sent out a tweet saying that. She's going to start organizing a VMware Code Meetup too, right? That's right. So we have always done meetups. We do about a meetup uh, once every other month or so mm -hmm. uh, in the prom cafeteria. But we've always piggybacked on other meetup groups. So there's a DevOps meetup group that we uh, use to have those meetups. Um, there was also a Kubernetes meetup group that we did. Um, so we never had our own meetup group, but mm -hmm. uh, now we've this year we've spun up and she announced the the VMware Code Meetup group. Um, oh, so interesting. Very excited about that. Yeah. So if you're hearing that and you want to pay attention, we live stream all those. You can go sign up for the meetup group and you'll get notification when we're doing the live streams. Even cooler. I, I think, it, funnily enough, that's actually where you and I met. Was that, uh, I think, a DevOps meetup group? That's right. It was the DevOps meetup group where yeah. we were in chatting and, right. and uh, I was telling you, that, yeah, I'm looking for an, an SE or a, a SME or whatever your title is. I was right. like, I'm looking for somebody in the field that does does field work that could could come in and talk about our products on the podcast. Right, right. And I, uh, oddly enough, was like a, a fanatical listener of the podcast, and I still didn't recognize your voice when we were in the right. and, chatting. And, and, and we <laughs> didn't have any of the camera stuff, so right. I, I, I get that now and then. Like, uh, I'm sitting having dinner with people, and they're like, and they were like, oh, who are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm Eric Nelson. And they stop and look and go, wait, you're the, you're the guy that we listen to every week? You look thinner. <laughs> You should just walk into rooms okay. now and just go, bam, 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 bam. All right. All right. <laughs> okay, so news. actual news. Yes, yeah, so mm -hmm. we introduced, uh, made an announcement about Elastic vSAN and VMware Cloud on AWS. So that's a fusion of the vSAN product and the Elastic uh, storage. Um, so we're able to add that. I think we've had that cooking for a little while now, but just made a formal announcement. Um, another nice. note is the BCP 2019 uh, that's a new, uh, our new version of the VMware Certified Professional Program, and that's that's out there. Um, right. So it's it's available and it's announced, and and maybe in the future we can even bring somebody on to to talk about the the program changes there. Um, we announced a VMware Empower, which is the uh, the um, channel sales. Uh, 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 conference i think it's in atlanta georgia right and there's right. a european version too so that's like the the partner kind of thing exactly. that's the the partner replacement partner exchange replacement yeah. when is that going to be uh, i want to say it's march or april but okay. uh yeah off the top of my head i, I don't All know right. so empower is out there go look up the schedule yeah i'll watch chat if somebody wants to look it up for us yeah uh the european one is uh may 20th through 23rd so i think uh empower in georgia is uh, four weeks before that? Yeah, I, I should have uh, brought right. the... Sorry, yeah. Yeah, no, no, it's all right. Um, you, you would think that I would have uh, written all that down. Um, as far as VMUG meetups, uh, in the next week, we have the France uh, VMUG meeting on the 31st. Uh, also on the 31st, uh, the Nordic VMUG conference, uh, the Rochester, New York VMUG meeting, and the Meet and Geek Bulgaria. And that's it until uh, next week. All right, and thanks to Doug Beer, who says the partner in Power US is on 415 ah, through 418. Okay. Got it. Yep, perfect. All right, all right. So uh, good, good to know uh, some news, and uh, VMUG calendar is always up there on vmug.com. So go check that out yep. and uh, join VMUG as we did a lot on VMUG last, last podcast. All right, getting to uh, vRealize Automation 7 and our guests that are, have been patiently waiting on the call, uh, we'll touch base and do what we always do, which is, uh, Kim, why don't you tell us, uh, Tim, Kim Delgado, a customer success architect, why don't you tell us a little bit about how long you've been at VMware, what do you do, and how do, what did you do to get to VMware uh, before you came here? I dare you to say that title three times fast. I know. <laughs> Data names. <laughs> So, yeah, I've been with VMware since uh, April 2010, so I've been around for a little while. Um, I think that's about, I mean, about the uh, the top of, the, I think I've been around longer than about 93 or 94% as of about a year ago of the rest of the VMware team and family. 
uh, I actually was working for a small ITSM company here in Southern California. Our, our US headquarters were here in Southern California in since 2001. And then we were acquired by EMC in 2008. And then in 2010, we were moved from EMC over to VMware since we were all, all software focused and EMC of course was more hardware focused and have been here ever since. I started out in professional services. Um, I was in professional services through that whole run um, and at EMC. And so I started out in professional services here at VMware. And then I had the opportunity to move into uh, what became the cloud management business unit um, in 2012. So I was part of, I was an architect on the R&D team from 2012 until a little over a year ago. And I moved back into the field and uh, I was always very customer and field facing even throughout my time in the BU and uh, met a lot of folks through the, the HOL program. I actually have been involved in the HOL program also since 2012. So uh, I was always very field field facing and customer focused uh, throughout that ten, my, my five years or so in the cloud management business unit and decided I wanted to get back into a, a, a little bit more of a consistently customer facing role, moved into customer success as an architect here, focused on our uh, automation and uh, vRealize products. And um, yeah, so I've uh, right. also a member of the, an ambassador for the office of the CTO. Um, I was joined that program, program. a year ago. So. Yep beginning my second year there. And uh, yeah, so I focused on uh, helping our customers be successful with v primarily with vRealize Automation. And of course, we've got uh, services coming up and we're working with customers, uh, helping them try give, you know, try that out. We just GA'd that uh, cloud automation services um, a few weeks ago. So right. And, and do on. you have a Twitter handle? Do you have a Twitter handle? I do. What are you? I do. KCD Automate is my Twitter handle. And you can KCD also find. Automate. Yes. Great. KCD. Okay, good. KCD. And uh, KCD Automate. Got it. Okay. And I'm also. I, I can. Do, do you want me to put it? We in the did. Chat? No, we, we've got it awesome. in the chat. So if you're listening and you, you want to come back to the podcast, uh, TalkShoe now uh, records and keeps the chat window along with the audio. So you oh, can really? actually come in and see all the links. That, so we put a, a link to your blog, uh, blogs.vmware.com slash management author Kimberly Delgado, as well as we put in your, your Twitter handle. So you're good, you're good to so, go there. Thank you. I see that. Right. Thank you, Tony. All right. Well, so uh, we also you. I'm also half of half of what we call Team Candy. Myself uh, and Mandy Botsko Wilson have a blog site called uh, Team Candy with a K cloud. So it's team K-A-N-D-Y cloud dot com. So you can find out more about what we're up to there. All right. All right, good. So we'll uh, we'll move on and uh, we'll talk to. We'll just let Sandy uh, do the same thing. So Sandy, say your last name again. Vesosa. Vesosa. <laughs> All right, Sandy. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, how long you've been at VMware and what do you how did you what do you do here and then how did you get here? Yeah, absolutely. So I've been at VMware since 2014. Um, I actually had the opportunity to do an internship here, and I started my career in marketing. I was able to focus first in America's field marketing. I was two years in digital marketing, um, got exposed to global marketing. Um, throughout my time in marketing, I always worked with a hands-on labs team. It, I just love the service they provide. It's, they really change the way customers are, and partners and anybody who has access to a browser can evaluate our products. So as of last year, I had the opportunity to do a take three, hmm. with the, which is an internal um, way to, for you to actually get to know about another organization. And I worked on a project with the hands-on lab teams during VMworld. Um, I'm not sure if you saw, but we had a, 
um, augmented reality wall. Yes. Where so I worked on that project. Mm-hmm. Um, we also did some live streaming, and I had the opportunity to actually apply after that. And the rest is history. I've been I'm now part of the hands-on lab team since October. I am an associate content architect, and I work on the development of the labs. Uh, my two focus areas are Sabu and CPBU. So that's a storage and availability business unit and the cloud platform business unit. Correct. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, a lot of acronyms here. Yeah, de- de-acronyming is part of my job day to day. All right. Well, Sandy, thanks. Thanks for that intro. And uh, and Doug, uh, Doug, Doug Bear, Doug, you've just been on the show so many times that uh, I got a look, and I actually see that uh, you were uh, on the podcast uh, in March, and I think you were on podcast number three eighty one. And it seems like you were just on a week ago, but it actually is March of twenty seventeen. So like, wow, that's like uh, longer than I thought. So welcome back. Nice to hear your voice. Maybe Thank you've been yeah, on. It's been a while. It's not right there. Yep. So you can do a one-minute elevator pitch because a lot of a lot of our listeners have probably already heard of you already. I can do quicker than that. I think uh, I'm going on my sixth year at VMware. I started in VMware on the hands-on labs team, and uh, I love it so much. I'm still here. I uh, I'm on the infrastructure side, so Sandy is on our content side, and I handle the infrastructure, so where everything runs. Uh, my job is a lot of helping people like Kim uh, ensure that their labs work in our environment and uh, helping that sort of thing be successful so that the customers can evaluate our products quickly. Yeah, I got to uh, say the lab team, I've been... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I got to say the lab team since I've been here, since I've been here since 2006, uh, the lab team has just grown and, and gotten much more integrated and responsive and engaged. Like we're running different things with labs all over the place now. It's just really been a pleasure to just watch something that was just almost an exclusive you couldn't engage with anybody over there. They were just heads down building labs. <laughs> so actually, like integrating labs uh, uh, you know, externally on on dot com, so you can go take them all the anytime you want. They're always available. To like programs we're working with, uh, to getting updates on labs. So all all three of you guys, you know, it's it's been a pleasure to watch the HOL team just mature into this architected. 24 by 7 platform that's always on that is then, you know, marketed that has hooks into the rest of the BUs to be able to, like, engage with them, to get you guys on podcasts. Like, it's really yeah. great. So it's, it's been a good, good, good transition. I even remember, I remember going to VMworld 2014 and there was an announcement, oh, by the way, you'll be able to do these labs after VMworld's over. And it was like, wait, what? Like, and it just seemed, you know, <laughs> we take that for granted you know, today, but it was just so revolutionary at the time. It was like, this infrastructure is going to be up and running, you know, 24-7, 365 for me to try these products on demand. Yep. Just, rev- yeah. you know, unheard of. Really neat. So, so Sandy, uh, before we get into vRealize Automation, I know that um, when I think we had Doug on uh, last year, we talked a little bit about, like, when do labs roll out before VMworld, that kind of thing. Uh, but now I think you guys are actually taking that, that whole process forward to be kind of more real-time responsive. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is and, and what the changes are happening when you're you know, trying to roll out new labs? Yeah, absolutely. So as of previously what we've done, we had a spring cycle as well as a VMworld cycle. So those were the two times per year that we released content. We're now moving to this continuous development model where we are adapting to the needs of the business. And instead of just waiting until spring or during VMworld, we're going to be updating our content as um, new releases come out. So this is the first time we're trying out this year. So really exciting to start kicking that off. As well, we're going to have more of a focus area on our SaaS products and um, seeing how hands-on labs can help users evaluate uh, some of those offerings. Well, we used to have a release cycle, you know, Spring and VMworld, because those were the two times that we would actually release product Correct. updates, right? Yes. And kind of we had this waterfall cycle, right? It was like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, it's an even year, so there must be a new vSphere version. But that's not the way it is anymore. Correct, yes. So there's a little bit more of a continuous release cycle, especially with VMware Cloud and AWS and and all of our um, uh, cloud services, like where it's just new version, new version. And we've noticed that too. Now as we're growing, our team has been growing, and 
we are looking to align to those needs and be able to as well offer. Right now we have more than 86 different labs in our catalog, so we're growing wow. growing. Yeah, that's, that, that's just awesome. And I could see where when you start introducing more SaaS services, features in SaaS services are just kind of like real-time real time releases where, you know, the, the AWS, the VMC and AWS is releasing once a quarter or even once a, even more frequently than that. And then how do, you, how do you address that? You almost have to have real-time kind of updates to, to, to things you want to learn about, right? So, yeah. Yeah, so neat. we're just starting to crawl on that. <laughs> right, right, exactly. I even right. saw a lab for VMware Learning Platform. Like there was a VMware Learning Platform lab, which was say you wanted to use this like hands-on lab environment, but for your own products, you know, you could kind of white label it from VMware and then have it available, you know, for you as a company, you know, just doing your own products and, you know, maybe running classrooms and things like that. It just, uh, uh, just, uh, we live in a meta world. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we definitely support um, any events that are coming up. We're, we're involved with BMUG, mm-hmm. the forums. We're, we're there and supporting them and making sure they have um, this available at their events for people to try out. And we, actually, I think the next one we're going to be having at in March, we have an event coming up. We'll yes. be there. Yep, yep. There's a, I've been uh, engaging with you guys just to do the social support for some of the events. And yeah, it's it's one of these things where it first started out just at VMworld. Then it went, it was a big move to go to uh, online, mm-hmm. right? Then it's like the V forms, right? Now it's kind of like events across the globe, 24 by 7. All right. Yeah, we're in nine days, different so. languages. Right. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. Right, exactly. All right, so uh, so Kim, so we'll move on to the the vRealize automation uh, lab and uh, talk about the update. So Kim, why don't you give us a a, a, a description of you know what is the getting started lab? And I know we've got updates. Why don't we talk a little bit about what that lab is and what you're trying to accomplish with that lab? And then we'll talk about more complex labs as we we continue through the show. Absolutely. So um, I've actually been involved in the automation lab since we started it when we acquired Dynamic Ops back in 2012. So I've uh, been, I was like, I was a captain on uh, these series of labs for a number of years. And I think the last two or three years, is it three years now, Doug, I've been a principal. Um, so I kind of uh, help lead the teams that are developing this content and, and, uh, and our proctors that come to the events to help us out and make sure customers have uh, their their three-star um, experience at the events. Uh, but the Getting Started Automation Lab is a, is a great way, is a great introduction to VRA 7X. If you haven't uh, had any experience with VRA before, this is a great place to get started. It talks about uh, what VRA can do for you. It talks about basic service authoring, so creating really basic blueprints, uh, goes over some of the policy um, and governance options that are available within VRA and how you can control who has access to what types of services. Um, so it's very much a, a, a great you know, couple of hours of, of introduction that you can walk through and start getting your hands on the hands on the on the product uh, and it's also available in multiple languages uh, for our global audience i heard as, as many as nine and, uh, this this particular one it looks like it's available in english and japanese and chinese uh, but there are different labs that are available in different languages depending on the need and the demand in different geographies that's super exciting kim it, it's it's interesting because, you know, I think there's a lot of probably um, vSphere administrators, you know, who are just starting to wrap their heads around the extended product portfolio that's available to them and maybe extend from, you know, just something along the lines of a simple, um, maybe moving towards that blueprint model to, to you know, it's not just like a, a single virtual machine that I want to deploy from an unknown good snapshot. It's it's a full application. And I kind of know that vRealize Automation is the way that VMware has to do it, but I can't wrap my head around exactly what that entails. And that Getting Started Lab really seems to, to take that administrator from that place of I kind of know what's going on to here's all the pieces and how they fit together. 
Am I, am I on Absolutely. Base Absolutely. So we can, you know, deploy a completely, uh, a, a complete application, multiple virtual machines, which are, you know, configured to work together. You can have a, a web front end and a database back end, and those can all be composed through software components or leveraging other third party tools. Um, and uh, we can also manage content, uh, you know, once you're, as you're developing these blueprints in, you know, maybe a dev test environment, and it's the blueprints, it's the orchestrator, V-Realize orchestrator workflows that are used for extensibility uh, as you're, as you're, you know, building all of these VMs in your environment, right? Um, and the, all of that can be bundled into a blueprint um, and then managed um, through a, a DevOps lifecycle. Uh, by, you know, extracting it from a dev environment, deploying it in a test environment, executing tests, and then deploying it into production through vRealize CodeStream. And the um, 1921 lab, the very first one, is the getting started with vRealize automation. But then we also have labs which cover these um, advanced topics where you can get into managing networks um, and leveraging NSX networking um, and security in your vRealize automation blueprints, um, as well as, you know, discovering and managing containers and deploying containers through VRA. And, um, and then the extensibility options that we have, uh, integrations with third-party tools like, um, like Infoblox, so you can leverage Infoblox um, direct integration for managing your IPAM solutions. Um, or maybe you want to leverage Puppet to deploy that software instead of using something like the vRealize automation or components wow, that, in that advanced extensibility. That's amazing. So if um, deploying from template or snapshot is kind of the call version of infrastructure automation, then you have a lab to, to get you to the walk version, which would be a full blueprint. like. What if you wanted to just deploy an entire three-tier um, app from, you know, at the push of a button, and then the run version was like, well, Absolutely. what if you wanted to, you know, have like a deployment pipeline and a development pipeline? And I think you were talking about what if you wanted different parts of that blueprint to be maintained by different people? Well, my database person maintains the database part, and my CentOS person, you know, maintains the underlying operating system, and and having all of those things, you know, iteratively uh, rolled out. That's just fascinating. It's a, um, you know, beyond the, my wildest dreams of what was possible, you know, 10 years ago in infrastructure. Of five years ago. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, even five years ago. You're right. <laughs> it's right, so, it's um, really awesome because I get to work with a lot of customers in in my role in customer success who have a lot of times bought the whole Viralize suite as part of an ELA, but haven't had the opportunity to actually, or the, or the, um, the, the manpower to actually implement all of these products. So we get to go out and do a lot of um, different, you know, deployments with, uh, you know, these kind of small to medium sized organizations. And they're, uh, to see some of them just take it and run with it has been very, very fun. Okay, so uh, getting back to the getting started, and then we'll flip back into some more of the complex labs and maybe talk a little bit about uh, uh, the VCP certification for management and that thing. But before we get there, let's talk about the getting started. So getting started, um, I would assume that we come in, we're going to learn about some administration, how to set up accounts, do that kind of stuff. Then maybe do you guys get into some poly policy-based lifecycle management? Uh, why don't you take us through kind of what the getting started covers for people that haven't done it yet? Absolutely. So um, I just want to uh, do a shout out too for um, the the getting started labs. Every we always keep a live update of the the most popular labs. But every year at VMworld, um, in the top seven or ten labs, I think at least half of them are getting started labs. So it's amazing um, how year after year. Uh, these <laughs> these getting started labs across the board, whether it's getting started with NSX, getting started with automation, getting started with uh, with even with vSphere, right? Those are always our most popular labs. They're always our most popular labs. Um, 
And so the introduction lab, like I said, is really talks about what is vRealize automation from an automation perspective? What does it do in terms of allowing you to uh, to blueprint and um, and then manage and deploy workloads in an automated fashion um, and being able to consistently and repeatably build out your environment so that you you know you eliminate that need for, um, the the human error aspect of deploying directly from templates in vSphere when you're doing your networking and your dns and all of that right um, fat fingering ip addresses things like that all kind of goes away when you're when you automate all of those steps uh, and it really means that you're you're you are not only reducing the time it takes to actually get those workloads deployed um, but they're consistent and uh you know you spend a lot less time troubleshooting in the long run uh, when you've got these consistent deployments being uh being taken care of for you um, so it saves you a lot, it gives you a lot of time to invest in other parts of your infrastructure or your um, environment. Um, so we talk about, you know, introducing, you know, in, an introduction to administration. So just the basic setups of administration. These labs, um, we actually already have all of the baseline configuration done for you when you come in. So it's not a situation like you have in a POC or if you're trying to do a trial where you have to come in and you have to deploy the software and then you've got to configure everything from ground up right to an HOL lab, we already have, um, you know, your connection to vCenter and your connection to, to vRealize Orchestrator and all of these other things, uh, you know, at your AD integration, everything all set up for you. We come in and we kind of show you how that was done and you can poke around and look at it, but you don't have to go through all of those different steps to just get a feel for how the product works, how it looks for your end users, that sort of thing. So we approach it, um, you know, from an administration perspective, and then there's other parts where we actually show you from a consumer perspective. So we have different users that you log in as during different exercises in the lab. So you can see it from multiple persona perspectives from the end user, as well as, for example, in a, a cloud administrator. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because part of the benefit is to provide different groups with self-service uh, deployment of those blueprints that they're developed, right? So um, a different a business unit says, hey, I need a SharePoint. And you say, well, yeah, just go to the portal and request a mm -hmm. SharePoint cluster and get it. Like, why are you talking to me? Exactly. We've already spent more time talking about it than, than <laughs> we needed to. <laughs> right, right. Yep. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's fascinating. Yep, so it literally can take, you know, your deployment of, of, you know, a single VM in some cases. I work with organizations where a single VM deployment literally takes days to weeks uh, because every step is manual. They get a ticket from the help desk that re is requesting a virtual machine. It has to go to one team to get an IP address, another team to get um, uh, confirm a host and do the DNS setup, and then it has to go somewhere else, and then the machine actually gets provisioned from a template, and then someone else has to go and install agents on it and make sure that the baseline configuration is done, and then someone else has to go and install software on it, and then it has to go back to this execution before it can, you know, get back to the user, and all of those things take time. And they all have lead time. Um, Kim, you keep and, on talking so, about fat, fat fingering DNS, and every time you say that, like I get the spike of adrenaline because I've done that in the past and you know <laughs> lost days of productivity. So, I, like you said that the first yep. time, like what does she know about me? Like what? Who told her? Right? But yeah, <laughs> it's I, not I just think you. All, it's not just you. Yeah, we've all done it. Yeah, it's like forty percent of all problems are you know a DNS problem, right? <laughs> yeah, it, DNS or did, NTP, right? Right, right. How long can you sit on the lab environment and, and, and mess with this? Like, do you, is it unlimited amount of time um, to, to be able to sit down and uh, play with this and explore while you're using a lab? So you have every, every session uh, can last up to four hours remotely. Is that right, Doug? Um, it's actually, a, the default is 90 minutes uh, online, and you can okay. extend that to nine, nine and a half hours. Wow. Okay, great. So, so there's an extend button in the interface time. that you just, yeah, it's autom It's basically automatically extended if you request it. So. Yep. Um, so that's, that's for a, a given instance of an environment, right? So each one of these, each time you start a lab, it spins up a, 
or it, or it takes a fresh instance of what we call a, a vpod um, which is a little mini sddc running virtually somewhere in a in a cloud data center in one of our data centers in the cloud and uh, so you've got a full stack with your own dedicated uh, ESX SI hosts, your own vCenter, your own um, Active Directory, your RA instance. And so it's all a whole little NSX, everything's in there, right? So it's it's got a full little stack in there. And then you uh, go through your exercises. And then once that session expires, you can come back and you can start again. And you can actually, um, the modules are designed to be independent so if you you know got halfway through and then uh you know you got through maybe the first two modules um maybe through the through the introduction and then you didn't get a chance to finish the last two modules because you um you know actually had to go do your day job you can come back tomorrow or the next day and you can start right at module three you don't have to go back through module one and module two they're all designed to be independent so we don't build on previous modules. Within a module, there could be dependencies, but between the modules of any given lab, there's no dependencies. So you can kind of come in and jump around. If you want to learn specifically about managing containers, you could jump right to the advanced topics, um, which is HOL 1921-02, and go straight to module three and learn about you know, deploying and managing containers in VRA as opposed to having to go through all of the introduction modules and the first two modules of of that advanced lab to get to that nice. content. That's really nice, yeah. Am I, am I correct in thinking also that I could just throw away the lab book and just start poking around and breaking things and, and yeah, learning how things that's work? Yeah, that's where I was going too, was like I know a lot yeah. of people do that with the NSX Absolutely. Lab, get access to the yep. switch and you know they're learning enough to go take their VCP. Right, right. I mean, yep. so yeah, we absolutely you mentioned the installation is already done for you but right. one of the ways that you can really learn how you know the the best way that that is, that's done is to go and break it right yep and we also have a lot of challenge labs and one of our challenge labs actually can be quite helpful if you're taking uh any of the any of the certifications related to automation as well so in the, uh, I know we're focusing on the on the uh, 1921 lab today, but we also have a lot in 19 about uh, fixing a broken VRA environment, and that is 1906-04 troubleshooting VRA. Wow, that's a really cool lab so to have out there. We can, and and we have those again. We have those for vSAN. We've got those for uh, vSphere. All of your different um, VCPs and focuses. So we have challenge labs for uh, pretty much all of the different uh, key areas that you that you might be wanting to take some certification in. Yeah, that would uh, that those oh. challenge labs are a lot of fun. You know, what would be really really cool to do is some kind of like tournament at VMworld where everybody competes against the challenge labs and we have like a leaderboard. Wouldn't that what? be awesome? I'm thinking, you... that. I think I'm thinking you heard it. You that heard would be it fun. here first. The first time. <laughs> we'd have you to take out the hints first. though. We'd have to have a, we'd have to, we'd have to like, cause we give hints along the way. So of course it's, oh, you, know, you right. get through it faster if you don't have to go through and read the hints, but we give tips along the way. So maybe we could have to have a separate lab manual that doesn't give the hints. Yeah. That'd be yeah, good. That'd be a fun exercise. Alluding to is I'm not alluding to anything, <laughs> nothing at all, at all. But you know, what would be awesomely cool is if the community had a great name for that. Like mm. if we were going to do something like that, yeah. and you could can come up with like a cool name, like you know, V Warrior or something like that. <laughs> that would be awesome if you could let us know what that name would be, so we could yeah. tell the branding we, people what they would what, that we wanted a name like that. King of the V Hill. King of yeah, the. Yeah, and I think oh, yeah. Eric, we we actually did have something like that in um, Singapore for the first time last year, and. Sure. We're in the work, so more to come, more to come on okay. that. Yep, yep. Uh, sorry, I got Very off base exciting. there just because you, you started talking about, you know, a challenge lab with that, and that, that would be good. So, so yeah, so then what, yeah. you're trying, you, what you're saying here is that, you know, once you get into this thing, you got nine hours, and you can bounce around to the different modules and uh, kind of grow as you go, and then get access to, you know, 
play around and, and learn by by pointing and clicking and actually using the stuff. Um, maybe I'll just yep. loop Doug in here um, just for a second here because he did dial in. So Doug, when you're building out this infrastructure, right, um, and you know you start talking about uh, integrations from vRealize to NSX to, to vSAN, how do you manage to uh, build an infrastructure? I guess it's these VPods that actually allow this to happen where you have enough that, because vRealize uh, automation and v, the vRealize suite in general has, you know, just, you know, managing a bunch of different components. How do you try to figure out how to build this up to where you can just hand it off to somebody, let them run nine hours, then destroy it and, you know, spin up another one. Um, do, do you want to touch on, like, how have you architected this and how long has this been in, in existence and what are the challenges? Wow, sure. Oh, there's, a, there's a lot now, to that Doug would tell you that my uh, teams are always the biggest challenges. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Kim and I worked for months to uh, to do some validation of one of the environments to uh, because basically when a lab starts up, one of the things we do is we have the lab kind of go out and check to make sure it's going to work. So when we hand it off to somebody, it's not just kind of a disconnected set of virtual machines. Um, so you know that's actually more complicated. Than just powering a bunch of stuff up and crossing your fingers. Uh, but from an architecture perspective, each lab team gets a set of virtual machines that run all of the content for that lab. Uh, we call that a vPod. It's basically just a set of virtual machines uh, grouped together in a vCloud Director vApp. So um, we use vCloud Director to do the provisioning of the labs uh, because of the way that it can store templates versions of the labs and spin them up, spin identical copies up really fast. Um, the way those templates work, we basically have to have experts set them up correctly and then capture those templates so that when we deploy them to a user, the user gets an environment that functions. So I wish I could say, you know, I'm the smart person who gets all of that stuff working in each of the pods. But uh, we leverage people like Kim and the teams that she works with to actually make those things work. So I'll start with a base pod where I lay out vSphere. And then we get uh, we usually follow a layered approach where we'll get the uh, NSX team to install NSX. And then we'll have uh, you know, someone like Kim's team to come in and install VRA on top of that. So each of the components that we're adding in uh, we build up like a, a master vPod that has a whole bunch of stuff in it. So almost an entire SDDC. And then teams can take that and strip out what they don't need and use what we've right. already put in there. So that's right. kind of how right. that's right. architected. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just imagining the process to build these labs, right, where you almost need a, a manager just to manage all the pieces that have to be built up now for an individual lab like this, where you do. You have pod, you have everything. Then different teams come in and strip out what they need, don't need, and eventually you get to the very top stack, which is V-Realized Automation, that then then comes in and builds the content for that lab. So I, I, can, I can see where that that's That's what I was getting at, where it must be a complex operation now to build these things. Once you then capture it all in templates, then then it's automated, then then it's easy for users to come in, start, go, that. So that's kind of like policy-based lifecycle management in its own right, right? So um, <laughs> thanks, Doug. Uh, Kim, back to you. Like, um, So policy-based lifecycle management, um, do you get into like, you know, how to, how to build your own blueprints? Where, where do you, where, when do I expect to start to understand uh, how I capture my own environments and build my blueprints so that I can then use this in my enterprise? Like what, what, what module do I need to get that? And how long would I expect to be taking HOLs to get through enough to where I would understand how to do this? So we start covering um, the basic blueprint authoring there in module three of the introduction. So those will be pretty basic single machine blueprints with, um, you know, which which would have maybe an existing network attached um, and using, you know, simple IP management um, that that would come from VRA. Uh, that's the, the most basic 
blueprint that we generally develop, and those are, um, you know, generally specific to, uh, you know, copying or cloning an existing template for in um, in vCenter. And that you do right there in the introduction in module three. So after you go through some basic intro stuff, you'll jump right into building blueprints. And then we talk about how then do you actually um, authorize different business groups to be able to request that blueprint. And that's where you get into the policy-based management and the governance. And then we also talk about, uh, you know, what if you want to have an approval around that, uh, you know, so that uh, if someone requests a machine with 16 of memory, uh, maybe you want to want to put some uh, a, a bit of a of a stopgap or a check in there. But if it's four gigs of memory, then that's nah, fine. You can go have whatever you want, right? So you we talk about how you can kind of build approvals based on different attributes of the request before um, before anything starts provisioning. And then if you want to get into some of the more advanced topics about, uh, you know, using the um, software components to implement applications or, you know, to install application components on those machines or doing a multi-machine blueprint, that's really when we talk, get into more of the advanced topics in that 1921-02 lab. Um, that's where we get into, you know, building applications using software components leveraging NSX and um, managing the network topology and, you know, on-demand networks and um, and groups and whatnot in uh, that with that NSX integration. But boom, right away, right in that, that first getting started. Yeah, we don't mess do around. That's like that's the blueprint. exciting part. Yeah. Yeah, single that's, machine that's blueprint, the fun part, right? That's what we're really control. all about. That's that's amazing. So so that baseline of knowledge that you need in understanding the value that you would get from the product, right there, all in the getting started lab. Great, great. Absolutely. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna change topics here a little bit because um, because you know I can um, because I'm in front of the microphone. So uh, we're talking to obviously two females here, right? Uh, that are working in what I would call, you know, tech, right? Uh, and and, high tech, and yeah. at high tech and at VMware. And I know that uh, we we are always looking for diversity. We're always trying to get more women involved in in tech. And so I thought I know that we are. You, you guys uh, have have been working on that. And uh, you have Robin Matlock and Pam Cast who you know comes and speaks on these subjects and uh, I thought I would ask you guys uh, um, do you have any efforts to, to, to bring more pe more women into into IT and into tech in this space what's going on there and I can either point that at Kim or I can point that at Sandy um, yeah I mean actually Kim has been leading this for hands-on lots I was lucky to be part of it during VMworld this year so Kim if you want to um, kind of speak speak on that effort and what you have done, um, I can then talk to the actual experience, experience. of being there. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, I'll just, so again, I, I've um, done, so I've, I've been part of the Hands-On Labs for seven years now. This will be my eighth year coming up. Uh, when I started in 2000, I was the only woman captain. Um, and the captains, again, are the people who actually build out the content. So they're the, the experts that actually build the VPods and build the, the lab manuals and then are at the events to support them. Um, and then we had a handful of, uh, I want to say four or five maybe, uh, women proctors. And the proctors are the folks who, um, you know, help out just before the event. They help with uh, testing and then they help on site at the VMworld events. So they're... Um, critical but they are they have a shorter um a, a, a i guess um, a shorter commitment time yeah they they're very critical to the process but they they aren't building it they're you know kind of helping support the customers and support the labs uh during the event anyway so we had a, a few proctors and i was the only woman captain i think there had been a woman captain once before me um in previous labs but you know it hasn't been common um and we've been and you know kind of I think and to get the scale, trying to. And to get what's the, that? To, to get the scale on to get the scale on what what you mean by that? Like oh, how many caps yeah, are of, there in out of, and how many people are working in the lab environment when you when you're talking? You're the only captain, and then there's how many people? There were some you know, handful of women. Uh, how many people were? Yeah. Out of out of roughly a couple hundred. 
Uh, I think that wow. the I think the overall, uh, you know, I think it's we've kind of varied um, up or down from, uh, but I think we've hovered between 150 and 215 or 20 um, over the last six or seven years. Uh, so, as an example, um, in that know, for the captains? last. That, that's the total number, so that would include captains and proctors. Yeah, total staff? Um, okay. Yep, so that would be, you know, kind of total, and, and also includes, like, our, our help desks, uh, help desk folks and our principals who actually lead the, the teams. Um, so out of, a, you know, out of a couple hundred, we had a pretty small percentage. For a couple of years, the, the more recent years prior to 2018, we had managed to actually um, work our way up to about 10%. Of, of women working in the in the labs and that included the core team as well as the volunteer team. Uh, so we had gotten up to about 10%, which was actually, you know, not bad. But last year, uh, um, Anida, who works on the core team, came to me and said, you know, uh, we would like to, you know, what, what can we do? What, and, you know, what's your ideas or do you have any thoughts on how we can get more women involved and it's well as as a woman who's been involved for a number of years we decided to you know kind of put together a little working group and see what we could do and come up with goals and ideas and our goal was to actually bring the number of women participating in the hands-on labs closer to the overall you know number of women percentage of women working here at vmware which is um quite a bit higher than 10 percent. i think some of those numbers are are published publicly uh, you know, upwards of, you know, uh, that used to be about 22%. And I think we're closer to 24 or 25% now over the last year or so. Um, so we were trying to, our goal was really to, you know, double the number of women that were in labs. And we actually did uh, a lot of effort. We interviewed or um, surveyed women who had participated in the past, what they liked about it, what they didn't like about it, what we could do to improve the experience uh, specifically for women. Um, and we then went out and recruited. Um, and, you know, we, part of it is a pipeline issue. Um, you know, we actually have to have women who have some tech, technical expertise um, and are able to work with and support the products in order to be able to, to uh, you know, as kind of a baseline to be able to, to help us out here in the labs. And so we ended up having to, you know, we'd kind of exhausted most of our, our field um women uh, and so we actually went into the r&d and actually managed to recruit more women uh and ask ask them to join kind of you know gave them pitches as to you know what benefits there were to being parts of a uh, part of the hands-on lab volunteer team it is you know a volunteer job it's it's kind of above and beyond your day job so it does require um a good amount of effort uh to at least to some extent uh that kind comes out of your own personal time to help be part of this program. But we did manage to actually uh, double our numbers um, from, or a little bit more than double our numbers from 27 to 2018. So that's that was awesome. Um, it was a big effort and it was led by, like I said, uh, we, we had a team full of, a team of four or five women who had had experience in the labs and um, participated and we had more women who participated as mentors um, who had been part of the labs uh, for a year or more and and mentored the new the new ladies that came on board last year so they were they had people that they could ask questions to especially i think some of the folks from uh from the business units uh are a little bit less extroverted than the people that are tend to be more in the field and deal with customers on a regular basis so it was you know convincing them that they could do it and that they should do it uh, took a little bit of effort. But it was great. We we had a good showing and uh, we are hoping to do question. the same or maybe even a little better this year. Yes. A question for you is, did you, um, it, maybe you have this, maybe you don't, I will get to Cindy next, um, but I'll hit you with this, or sorry, Sandy next, but we'll I'll hit you with this question, which is, do you remember anything that you changed in the environment or in the process to make it more appealing um, for for women engineers, um, I know that my daughter teaches me that you know uh, to attract women, it's not just about like getting them to like what we like as men, right? Because I'm a man, I go, well, I love engineering, I like soldering, and I like wiring, and I like all this stuff. Ever since I was a kid, I was just wondering if you guys happen to come across anything or any 
process or team motivational aspects that would would help it you know relate more to to women and maybe you noticed some of these things maybe you didn't but uh, thought I'd ask so I think we tried to give uh, we I think the the I think one of the most important things we did was we actually uh, tried to give them a little bit of extra TLC especially the new the new women coming in a lot of these uh, you know these women don't travel um, you know as part of their day job so they aren't used to the traveling aspects um they aren't used to you know knowing what this type you know they might not have ever been to VMworld before so knowing what to expect when they got there that sort of thing so we started this mentoring program where the women that have participated in the labs before reached out to the new women we we kind of assigned um women that we tried to kind of uh, associate them to the lab groups that they were in and assigned mentors so that they had someone that they could ask you know we had calls in advance we had um uh, slack channels set up so that people could ask questions or these these new women could ask questions and not be kind of intimidated or or nervous about asking in front of a bunch of guys that have been around a long time and all know each other um and that sort of thing in their in their larger teams um and you know since we only have one uh one woman principal who are the team leads um you know and the women are distributed across all of the teams a lot of them didn't have uh you know didn't always feel comfortable asking certain questions to to the guys that that were their principals so there's right. um, okay. i think that that had the most impact um we had a lot of great feedback on the on the mentor program uh, from the women who participated this year and of the women who who responded to our our post event survey actually 97% of them said that they would like to return to the program again which was pretty amazing that's that's excellent that's excellent uh sandy so you got to experience this um, what are your thoughts what was your experience uh, when you came into the lab environment and uh, what's your impressions yeah, absolutely. So I was very fortunate to actually start when this actually took place. Um, I was a bit nervous for the first time going to the Emerald with with a new team, especially because it the staff is quite large. Um, it was good to see how beforehand I was able to ask questions. I worked actually very closely with Anida in this sense, um, who partnered with Kim in this initiative. And she was very, very helpful in just giving getting me up to speed and very welcoming. Also, I think um, it's, I worked with a, I was very fortunate to work with a team um, that actually advocated a lot for women. Um, a lot of the staff um, are open to suggestions, are open to new ideas, and I think that really helped me feel confident in being there and actually um, have conversations that I might not have had them before. I was able to um, shake Pat's hand, <laughs> um, approach him, right? So something as simple as that where typically you might not get that opportunity in your day-to-day -day role because um, we get a lot of executives walking in that room and that exposure really also helped um, me understand what, how the business works, not only just at the technical side, but how our customers and partners um, use our, our products. How they experience it. Yeah. Right? That's interesting. So this, uh, uh, the um, Kim didn't have a magic bullet, but um, she talked about um, first of all access, mm -hmm. and then mentorship, a network, and then informal back channel to just kind of handle like intimidation. So that kind of those ingredients worked for you. Then it sounded like yes, I think now actually putting it into perspective, mm -hmm. um, yes, all of those different ingredients helped me um, feel comfortable and be able to actually talk to people that I probably might not have had the confidence to do um, just because of where I previously worked. Um, so I think all of those different ingredients put together really helped me in my experience. Yeah, there's that um, imposter syndrome, yes. like rears its ugly head all the time, right? <laughs> and uh, Every day. All of us to, yeah, all of us mm -hmm. need to fight it. Right, but um, we need to be especially sensitive to people who have extra layers of intimidation. Right, mm -hmm. so it's really uh, I'm fascinated to hear that you have this program and that it worked out yeah, so well. It's yeah. excellent. It's excellent. Amazing. Also, yeah, it's it was great so speaking of of the of the executives, yeah, we oh. we actually got to speak to the the women who participated at um, at our U.S. event last year. That was great. We had a 
a short little round table with her for about 20 minutes or 30 minutes in a photo op. And then, uh, you know, Betsy usually comes in and says hello to everybody. She was actually lurking in the background at that event. And um, and then we also get Robin to come in and to come and meet with the women that we had in Barcelona. It was great. And and every year we try to find a woman executive to come in and and have a little round table with the women. And um, I think Betsy was was very pleasantly surprised to see the jump in growth last year. Amazing. So you're talking about our, the two C-level execs at VMware for women, uh, Betsy Sutter, who's our chief people officer, and Robin Matlock, the chief marketing officer. So to, to have that level of executive support and then uh, to get that positive reinforcement mm -hmm. there is also really amazing. Yeah, it's it's excellent. And it's a long game. So I'm 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 glad it you know, we we move the needle from my daughter's perspective and yeah. everybody else that uh, that has children and daughters and men and women and uh, it's it's great to have this because I think it tech makes tech stronger, more diverse, uh, mm -hmm. and smarter. Right. So, so the one thing that you said, Kim, was that we exhausted our, the, the female resources in the field and that made me raise my eyebrows and go, Well, maybe we need to to repeat this thing, you know, a little on a little bit larger basis to Yep. to technical roles in the field as well. Right. Yeah, and well, everyone we, we yeah, get and a lot of there is a pipeline issue, right? We just don't have a lot. We have uh we we we're getting better. Obviously, we're always getting better, but I think that's where we we where I personally see the 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 lowest numbers, the lowest percentages really are are women in uh, you know, technical roles in the field. Yeah, I think I I remember the um the we had we have these uh sessions speakers come in uh once a quarter and they're famous and i forget the woman that came in from hollywood but what she was she ran a a, a famous group that was recruiting women into hollywood right mm -hmm. and and i for, i forget mm -hmm. she's a famous star uh but what she said was look you know you have to affect television look at the roles that television has for children mm -hmm. when they're watching it right and how many mm -hmm. women have leadership roles in television because what you want to do is create an environment where some a child can look and then aspire to be that person so if you don't have women in tech right who become mothers who then have children who then are neighbors who are in tech so it's kind of this thing where you have to get women in representative roles that then can be role models for the next generation and and that's what they were working on they were working on doing that for television mm -hmm. so that you would see roles of women as as the type people you would look up to right and i think this is when i say a long game it's like a hundred year game Right? Like it, but but you know, we just have yeah. to make those steps, right, and create role models for the next generation so that uh, young people can look and decide if a guy wants to be a ballerina and a girl, like, there shouldn't be any, you should have plenty of role models so everybody can decide what they want to do and be encouraged to do yep. it. So, yeah, yep, yep. it's awesome. But it's well, and that's, uh, you know, I have to give a shout out to the other half of Team Candy, uh, Mandy Botsko Wilson, who's uh, one of my teammates, but she is based in Michigan and does uh, both a, uh, supports both the girls who code uh, with with middle age middle school age girls, as well as a younger you know elementary age group of uh, girls robotics team. So uh, which her daughter participates in. So she's she's doubling up on on helping build that pipeline for us, and I try to do some of the same here with. Uh, uh, my kids at um, at my kids' school and and things like that. So we're trying. Yep. There's a lot of yep. things that we can do, even if we aren't moms of daughters, right? Even uh, women can get out and participate in those girls who code and some of those other other events that that really help uh, promote that interest right. in technology and that it's it it it's you know by the time girls are middle school age or past middle school, tech isn't cool being geek isn't cool so yeah absolutely we're uh we're getting to the top of the hour in fact we're, we're at the top of the hour so with respect i'll say uh kim thanks a lot sandy thanks a lot doug thank thanks you. a lot thank you thanks for being on the show it's uh, sure time to fly by yep <laughs> go take a lab and uh, if you're at the world uh, make sure you shout out 
and we'll finish up with a little bit of a barbecue report. Um, I know that I have a barbecue report in honor of the Super Bowl coming. Um, there is a great recipe on how to make uh, crispy buffalo wings without using an actual grill. You can actually do it. The trick to that is to uh, use baking soda. You mix baking soda um. in with your sauce. And that uh, apparently does something with the chemical on the meat that mm -hmm. then you could read the article. I'll post it in the chat. So if you're interested in it, uh, hot wings, barbecued hot wings that you can do in the oven and they turn out crispy. Great article on wow. Yahoo on that. Uh, anybody else have any interesting barbecue? Eric, now I'm hungry and I can't think. I know. <laughs> I got a picture here in this article. Like, it's, it's the perfect orange chicken wings with the celery and the blue cheese or sauce. Oh, yeah, I want it. So with that, uh, if, you get, if you're part of the uh, 180 million people that watch the Super Bowl, uh, go Rams, go New England. I hope you have a great time with your family and friends and go make some good barbecue wings. With that, uh, we'll say goodbye. Thanks a lot. We'll be here again next week with uh, another great guest. And until then, everybody have a great week. Take care, everybody.